the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 72, and our guest is B. Miles. B. Miles is the pseudonym of Brenna Miles, a singer and songwriter originally from California, who now lives in New York. Her latest record is In Order of Appearance, which came out earlier this year. It is absolutely wonderful, and you can get your copy of In Order of Appearance at bmiles.co. Before we get to our conversation with B. Miles, I want to invite you to join our Patreon community where for just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show Jason's Journey where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life as well as our Patreon happy hours. And that's why I bring it up at the front of the show this time is that we have been having so much fun with these Patreon happy hours and I'm really looking forward to this one. I've got a special guest the last time we did it. We had Jordan Foley, who is a good friend of the show and good friend of mine and an amazing singer and songwriter. We have another amazing singer-songwriter uh, and a huge, it's a surprise, but this person is uh, is, is one of the, the most beloved uh, marinade guests um, that we've ever had. So I'm so excited that this person said yes. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun and you can join our Patreon community for as little as $2 a month. If you can't swing it, I understand all the free ways to support the show are greatly appreciated too, but I wanted to just go ahead and put that invitation in at the front of the show um, in case you've always been considering it. It's, uh, it's fun and it's a good way to connect with the show on a deeper level. All right, y'all. Without further ado, I am so excited. This was an absolute blast. Uh, this conversation well, was deep and fun and funny and all of the things that I want in a podcast conversation. My conversation with B. Miles. Family is why. 
Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Thanks so much for being on the show. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to talking with you. I've been loving the record uh, oh, in order you. of appearance and just a beautiful piece of work. And how do you feel? I mean, you're just a few days away from release. I it's it's kind of surreal to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've been working on this album since I moved to New York. Um, so it's been in the writing process for almost five years now. Wow. Um, so the fact that it's actually coming out is, it's just, <laughs> it's a sigh of relief almost in a way. Um, yeah. I've been wanting to put this out for so long, so I, I can't wait. Oh, good. Five <laughs> years, that's a long, long time to keep that creative thread going. And I, I do kind of want to get into that a little bit because one of the things that jumps out and then, and then reading more about your music too, um, that jumps out about what you do is that, that there's so many influences and the sounds are, you know, just you, you cover a sonic space um, and you, you've got all kinds of different stuff in there. Um, so how do you keep five years worth of work? How do you keep all of that coherent? What does the process look like for you? Um, to be honest, I think that the reason it just became such an extended process is you know, always wanting to go back and tweak something here, tweak something there. Oh, we can rewrite these lyrics. We can write it here. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's that constant wanting to make everything better. You know, um, there's that saying, um, song isn't done. The song is finished when someone gives up. Um, they want to walk away from it. So it's... it's I've really, never heard that. Sorry. I, I, yeah, that's... yeah. It's a good one, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we've had a lot of different musical influences. You'll notice on the record, it kind of, um, you know, the velocity changes quite a bit. It's really, really quiet in certain songs and it's, it's really loud in other songs. And the reason that we really wanted to keep it so polarizing was because of the two polarizing characters that were being portrayed in this album. You know, Brenna, the, the normal everyday, and then B Miles, um, you know, performing at, at night to, you know, sold out crowds and whatnot. And so there's, there's been a few key influences that have stayed current <laughs> throughout the entire process. Um, and that's mostly been um, Tom Waits, um, Nick Cave, um, loves, we love Spaghetti Western, always want to incorporate that there. So those have been like the underlying kind of groundwork i guess you would say that's kind of the voice behind b miles and inspiration there oh that makes a lot of sense and the, the you tweeted the other day um i say the other day it was back in september which seems like 20 years ago <laughs> juggling my musical identity with an all too dry corporate persona is a game i've been forced to play each day in new york and that comes out on this album as well um, can you say more about that? And, and I kind of want to get into like how a lot of people listening to the show, myself included, try to make these decisions about chasing their creative life while also having to pay the damn bills, right? So can you say more about that tension both in your life and then also as it comes out on the record? Yeah, 100%. You know, I 
moved to New York, um, you know, right after I graduated college, there wasn't really a plan in place. It was kind of just, let's just go and figure it out. Um, and once I arrived in New York, um, you know, the, the music was the easy part, right? You know, my band was already here. My writing partner was here. Um, you know, we were playing our very first gig at Mercury Lounge, I think, and, and everything was so exciting. Wow. The part that I didn't have figured out was I don't have anywhere to live and I don't have any money. Um, and so, you know, there's, there is a harsh reality as a musician that it's really hard to make ends meet and, um, you know, performing is, doesn't necessarily, you know, pay your rent. Um, and so I ended up working at a very corporate buttoned up kind of job during the day. And, you know, it was so bizarre to me because I felt like I was these two different people day in and out, you know, I'd get to the office at 8 a.m. in, you know, full pantsuit, ready to go. And at six o'clock, I'm, I'm rushing out the door to go to sound check. And I have, you know, my, my bag of performing clothes to change into and whatnot. And then it's 1 a.m. in the morning, I'm coming home and getting ready to go to bed so I can start work again in the morning. It was, it's, it was just bizarre. And I, it took a, you know, strong toll on my psyche in the beginning years when I first lived here. And you can hear that, I think, in the album, we tried to portray that, just how much tension there was going on internally about, I don't know what to do because, you know, you always want to pursue your dreams. And it's something that is so important for everyone to chase the only thing is, is that you have to have a way to support yourself to do that. Um, and luckily, you know, after living here for five years, um, I feel like I finally learned the balance. Um, and so it's, it's been a, a great payoff. So what lessons have you learned to get you to that balance? <laughs> How did you get that? That's hard. It's so hard. Like, you know, I, I think for, I don't, I, I don't play much. I play open mics and stuff here and there. So every once in a while I'll get up on stage and, and play guitar um, and sing some, sing sad songs, but the best I, songs. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I can agree with that. And, but I don't, um, but you know, I'm not playing sold out shows. The energy from that is a different thing. Like sometimes I won't even go to a show cause I got to get up so early and go to work. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll like interview an artist and be like, sorry, I'm not going to make it to your set, but you're up there, the one actually performing and you're giving everything. I would imagine like I've seen, I've seen uh, videos of your performances and I, gosh, please get us back to normal so I can see you <laughs> and, and all these other wonderful artists that I've missed and I haven't seen, but you're putting so much into it and then you got to get up and go to button down job the next day. Like what lessons did you learn over those five years? How did you get to that, that place or however much time it was that the place to get to where you have a balance? I think it just came down to, there was a moment where I, it just clicked and it made sense to me that, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to chase their dreams and, you know, this is something that's knocking at my door and it's, it, you just got to take it. And I think that was um, a humbling moment, you know, 
thinking to myself, I'm able to do both of these things right now. You know, I have the energy to do it. Um, New York is the place to do it. It's got this crazy bustling energy from, from both sides. And, you know, at the end of the day, when I really looked at myself and said, okay, you're, you're B miles, this, this Brenna, this Brenna thing is just to help you get by. That's, you know, one, it really made sense to me. And it's been significantly easier to swallow each day. Oh, interesting. What does that look like on a granular level? Like, uh, when you're at or in practical in, in, uh, in, in practice at work, um, are you like, are you able to, I don't want to get you fired, but are you, <laughs> are you able to like, uh, to, to, to turn it off, turn off the creative brain and, and focus on the work or, or are you like sitting there doing the work, whatever it is. And also melodies are flying around <laughs> trying to figure trying to catch them, you know, like, what does that look like in a, on a practical level? Luckily, my day job is as far from creative as you can get. I'm talking solely Excel, solely numbers. So there is no um, transition of um, like, I'm never thinking of melodies at work because it's just so like, this is everything fits in this box and all the numbers will make sense. Whereas, you know, when I come home or, you know, when I move to a different room to play music now, um, (laughs) it's, it's nice because it's almost like I'm giving that critical thinking portion of my brain a break for the rest of the day. And the, the music and the creativity is almost like the payoff at the end of the day. Like, okay, you, you concentrated really hard all day. Now you get to have fun. That's great. Yeah, that probably does help having them be so different because you're not, we talk a lot about creative capital on this show and how, you know, sometimes I'll have 14 projects going of various sorts and I want to write this and I want to interview this person and I want to write this other thing and then I want to take some photographs and it's like having the, having both the, the creative energy, but also the time to do all of those things. If you have that, if you're not flexing those creative muscles all day then they're like pent up ready to go so it's almost like that might be kind of an advantage so that's good no i I love it i mean my favorite thing um when you know we were in more normal times was you know if i had a really frustrating day at work i would just hop on the train on over to rehearsal and we would just you know jam as loud as we could and i'm screaming in the mic and i was like this is this is the best kind of you know way to blow off steam <laughs> oh it's it's good medicine it's such good therapy I, I i picked up my guitar the other day i've been neglecting it and i picked it up and played i was working on a song and i played for like an hour and just had been too long since i sat and played for an hour and, and afterward i felt so good right it's just such good therapy where did you move from to get to new york i moved from uh pasadena in la uh born and raised there and I just needed to do something different. Um, You know, I'd lived there my entire life. And once, you know, my bandmates moved to New York, there was kind of not really a question at hand. It was, you know, either you want to do this and you move to New York or you build up an entire new community in LA. Um, And I was so lucky to have this amazing community in New York that, 
what a terrible, what a terrible thought that I wouldn't be able to, you know, work with them and make music with them. Uh, uh, interesting. So when you are making that music, what does, uh, what does the writing process look like for you? It's, it changes from time to time. For the most part, um, my writing partner, Eric Nizgretzky and I, you know, we'll usually send each other ideas, melodic ideas that we have, um, usually just chords and melody, send that over to each other. And then um, we'll sit together in a room and kind of, you know, hammer it out. Um, lyrics don't usually come until much later. Um, there mm -hmm. have been certain times where I have written, you know, poems, and then we've tried to mold it to a melody. But I personally find it much more difficult to do it that way rather than having you have the melody you know how many syllables you need and you can um you know put your words to that mm. how how long like from from start of an idea to to finished product um how long does that typically take for y'all are you are you like you start exchanging those ideas and then it all comes together pretty quickly or do you let songs sit and marinate for a while and like what does that look like it's it's pretty quick um i'd say for the most part you know when we send each other an idea it's almost like oh, that's a great chorus. I actually wrote a verse and I didn't have a chorus for it to go with. So I think these will work out well together. Um, and then we'll, we'll try and get the song completed in terms of, you know, uh, chords, melody, um, and structure and try and finish that completely. And then we'll let that sit for a bit mm -hmm. um, and kind of see how that feels and usually revisit in about, I don't know, two weeks or so um and see if all parts of the song are still vibing do we think another part needs work um and then you know the lyrics will probably start around then too mm. what about the live show so you've got um you've got a a virtual um release show coming up and um obviously everything's a lot different now but <laughs> just just the live just the live performance in general um what what kind of like from a creative standpoint how much uh creative energy are you putting into it or is it much more organic for you guys so for this live show um you know we definitely had to think completely outside of the box i mean i've been dreaming of this album release show you know for the last five years and when i realized that we couldn't do one it was kind of this oh no what do we do moment um mm -hmm because performing is my favorite thing in the world. Um, mm. And so we thought that the best way to still have an album release show and still have a live performance was to make a virtual um, album release show. And it's, it's going to be so cool. Um, nice. My buddy, Steven, Michael Simon, he's an incredible director and cinematographer. And, you know, him, Eric, and myself just kind of got in the kitchen together and we're like, how do we make this, you know, not just any sort of taped show, but something that's going to be really, really cool and people are going to want to see. So we have some incredible art installations in there and um, it's, 
It's going to be amazing. I highly recommend coming. <laughs> That's fun. I, I love that. I, like you know, obviously none of us had hoped or expected to be to to go this long without live music in person. But it's been so great to see, and I hate that it had to happen, but how people have adapted and how they're bringing in multimedia and they're bringing in film, you know, filmography and like when everything started and everybody was just sort of like in front of their 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 uh like webcams playing right you know, yes. like they're like computers they're good <laughs> that seems yes. forever ago doesn't it uh but then i saw the hardly strictly bluegrass festival last weekend and they did this great job where they pre-taped everything and they had you know the sound was great and it was just like this it was beautifully done you know so it's it's really cool to see of course musicians are resilient you know you're gonna figure out a way to make it happen so <laughs> I hate it that it happened that way, but I, I am excited to see some of the creative things that people are doing. And I hope that some of these kind of these virtual shows are a way that there's something that endures. I hope that like, yes. you know, cause that's I feel something. Like, yeah. Go Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I was just saying like from, so for example, uh, my show, I mean, being able to do these on zoom now, we never did this before, you know, we did phoners oh. or like in person and almost never did phoners. And so this has opened up a whole portal for me, you know, cause the zoom thing has made it not necessarily feel the same as being face to face, but at least like I can see you and I can see your, you know, your facial expressions and, you know, are, are you interested? Are, am I boring you? You know, like I can tell that. Whereas like on a phone, it's a little bit more difficult. And that's why I always hesitated to do phoners, you know, cause I can just picture somebody in the background being like, <laughs> like on the, on the phone, just like this guy. Um, but if I can actually see you, it's, it's a different thing. And I'm definitely going to, when we get back to normal, whenever that is, I'm definitely going to do a bunch more of these. So I hope that the same thing is true for, for other folks, especially musicians, because some of these things are looking great and you're getting to collaborate with other creative people that are outside of your field. It's cool. I think, you know, at first I was so bummed that we weren't doing a live show and now it's almost like I'm going to have this little treasure that I can keep with me forever. I'm going to show my grandkids one day, you know, it's, it's, right. it's really nice to have. And I'm sure, I'm sure you've experienced this too, where there's, there's been moments in your life where you've been at a show or you've been performing a show and, you know, you think to yourself after, Oh, I really wish someone got that on tape. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we have that now. So I, I am really excited as well. Good. Um, another thing that I really like um, about you that I've noticed is that the connection that you have with your fans, like you just straight up invite them to email you and you do all these, <laughs> like you do these personal little touches too, right? Where you like, if someone emails you, then you'll send them a voicemail, right? If, if I understand correctly. And can you talk about the connection with your fans and, um, and maybe why you put so much effort into that? Cause it's clear you do. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty simple for me. I, I can't think, you know, the fans out there that have taken the time to listen to my music, you know, you, you throw your music out there, you don't know what's going to happen. And someone takes the time to not only listen to it, but maybe they even write you a message. I mean, that's, that's a lot of effort right there. And um, I think that the least I can do is, you know, spend some time to tell someone, thank you. Um, and, you know, 
I know that in the past when I've heard back from other artists that I've reached out to and they've taken the time to respond to me, you know, it, it makes a difference. It makes you feel different. And when you listen to their music, you look at the artists themselves differently. Um, so we created this fun little email address. Uh, it's the title of one of the singles, Brenna at some nine to five.com. And it's really fun because some people are, you know, kind of, confused when they email it. They don't really know what they're getting into. Um, and I'll just make them, you know, a video, talk to, you know, each fan directly. Because um, wow. I think that when so much of the time on social media, you're just blasting stuff out. It's, it's mm. not, it's not personal. And um, I always want to make sure that the people that are taking time to listen to my music know that I appreciate them. That's great. <laughs> you know, it, I can totally relate to what you said about how once you if you get a chance to talk to somebody or, or make a connection with them, then their art takes on a different dimension. And that's one side effect of this show that I don't necessarily, I, I, I'm not sure that I expected was just the, the personal connections, mm -hmm. both with the, the artists that I interview and then also the fans of the show, because we have this common ground. They're coming to the show because they, they like what we're talking about or they're a fan of, of the artists that I'm interviewing. And so we already have that common ground and, and I've made like, good friends, you know, with these otherwise total strangers and far reaches of the country, you know, that it's really, really cool. And it, and it makes me feel a little bit more passionate about what I'm doing, you know, not that I'm, I wouldn't be anyway, but it makes a different connection um, in that way. So I think it's great that you're doing that. And uh, I admire that quite a bit. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, what are you, uh, what are you getting down on these days? What are you listening to? What are you watching? Like just art that is inspiring. Are you reading a book right now? That's got you fired up. Have you seen a painting or a sculpture that fired you up? Like art wise, what are you excited about? Art wise, I have been actually reading quite a bit. Um, I awesome. find most of my lyric inspiration from reading. Um, so I've been reading my um, classic favorites. I actually just moved the last couple of weeks. So things are still in boxes. Um, I'm slowly unpacking, but the books that I have been able to unpack, yeah. um, my favorites, I love Orwell. Um, uh, and I love Aldous Huxley. So I just reread um, Brave New Worlds. Uh, um, which why'd, you put, is, why'd you put yourself through that? Yeah, so I was just going to say, you know, I finished that book and right after I was a moment of, oh, well, things are really, you know, strange in this world. Cue right after I read a book about a um, disease that took over the world and ended, yeah. you know, humanity in like yeah. six months. I don't know what I'm doing. Why though? Because like, I am so guilty too. I just finished The Plot Against America by Philip Roth. And it's like, but if you look at my, my bookshelf, it's just full of dystopian novels. And I've, you know, I, I've slowed down a little bit, but when my twenties, I, I, that's all I read. Like, so I, just, I read Brave New World. I read 1984. I read Fahrenheit 451 three times, you know, like all those books. Why do we do that to ourselves though? Especially right now. Do you think it's healthy to do it? Or do you, do you think we're just like gluttons for punishment or like what? Why, why are you picking up Brave New World right now? <laughs> I honestly feel like sometimes it helps to think about the worst possible scenario for things because there's, if things are better than that, you know that you did okay. Mm. 
you're going to end up okay. Yes, it was not a smart decision to read um, Brave New World during this time, but it's almost like watching a horror movie. I mean, you watch, why do people watch horror movies? For adrenaline, you know, they like to be on their toes. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are actually enjoying right now. I know like a lot of the, you know, disease movies are streaming are going crazy right now. Yeah. Um, I think people just maybe want to feel excitement because we're, mm -hmm. you know, bored from being at home. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that might be part of it too. I, that's a good point though, about trying to keep in perspective worst case scenario too. And, and understanding like somebody recently posted something about um, some year in the 1800s that was just like terrible, right? <laughs> so there, there are, it, keeping that perspective is difficult when we are glued to our screen so much and when, when, and when we are in echo chambers too. That's why I kind of like, I kind of kicked myself, but I really enjoyed that book, but I kind of kicked myself after I finished it because I was like, that's just reinforcing all of your concerns and fears about how things are right now. You know, yeah. um, I, I, I probably like my next book is going to be, it's, um, it's called, this is your brain on music. So it's just, it's about like the science of how music impacts your brain. And that's what I'm going to read now to try to like, I love it. Right. Get myself away from all that stuff, <laughs> all the, yeah. all the heaviness that it feels like there is because music is that escape, right? That's what the gift that you can give to the world is that you have this beautiful record coming out and you're able to, to share this, this beauty with people and we can escape for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is, I just was, you've mentioned social media and I just brought up um, staring at our screens. Um, what is your relationship like with social media and, and technology? And are you good at it? Do you, do you balance it well? Does it consume you? What is, how, how good are you with it? Um, to be honest, I, I really, really dislike social media. Mm. Um, I feel that I have to be on there to share, you know, music updates and whatnot and to connect with with other musicians and fans, but I, I can't stand the way that it makes me feel after um, I've been on it. And it's, it's not so much seeing, it's not so much seeing, you know, these posts on the different platforms. It's, it's more so that you get sucked into it and mm -hmm. you'll start, let's say it's, you know, 10 AM in the morning, you won't even realize where the time has gone and next mm. thing you know it's you know 10 45 and mm. you've just lost 45 minutes of your day looking mm. at who knows what does it even matter yeah um, probably the same the same things over and over again yeah I mean, exactly so, that's so often what it is i just i i hate it so i mean i try to be on it as little as possible um but i mean you know there is a sort of responsibility i guess in a way to be on there and to make sure all information is communicated and to respond to people. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. about you? It's a tough one because I think like the only one that I, I, I don't have a Facebook at all anymore. The marinade doesn't have a Facebook. We did for a while and it just, 
like it just stressed me out and it, I don't feel like it was bringing any, it wasn't adding to the, the yeah. show. It wasn't adding to the brand. I didn't feel like I was getting, reaching anybody that would, I wouldn't be reaching already. You know, maybe a few folks and I'm sorry. I hope that they find another way to stay updated about the show. Cause we're so, I'm so accessible. That's the thing is like, you can get a hold of me. I mean, I'm, I'm e you can email me. <laughs> Uh, you can you can send me a tweet you can send me on instagram a message that's a lot of ways to get a hold of a person right like i'm pretty open with the phone number you could call if you guys want to like i'm i'm pretty open about how you can get a hold of me so i the only one i have trouble with is twitter because i love it oh i love it i do and like i i i sometimes i've kind of finally come to grips with the idea, and I don't think I've mentioned this on the show, that I might be borderline addicted to Twitter. <laughs> and so uh, I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> so I've got new rules for myself where I don't get on social media till I get home. I don't check it in the morning. That's great. Yeah, I don't do it till, so I get home about 3.45 most days. And uh, so at 3.45, four o'clock, I don't mess with it at all until then. Um, and I, I break the rule every once in a while. Like today we released an episode uh, with Tennessee Jet, the songwriter. And on release day, I get really excited. So I want to check and see how people are reacting, right? So I broke the rules today. But, That's understandable <laughs> though. <laughs> right, right. But I, I think to, to your point though, like I do struggle with the idea of how much I should, I, I, almost, I wish we were at a place with the marinade where I could hire somebody to do the promotional stuff. Um, we're not there at the moment, but it, it, the first time I can get there, I want to hire somebody to do it just because I do find myself on there a lot and I'm not real good at promotion. It's not something that, that I feel comfortable with. Um, and, and nor do I think I'm any good at, so I don't like doing it and I don't want to do it anymore. And I think no. that's, you know, that, that's part of like, that'll keep, keep you off of it a, a, quite a bit more, you know, like. I find myself getting so frustrated, like you were talking about, if I sit down at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and I've got my book in my hand and I've got a quiet moment with a cup of coffee or whatever, um, if my phone's within reach, I'm, I'm going to check it, Yeah. you know, and if it's not, I won't think about it. So just developing those habits is something that I'm really working on. No, I, I, I love that you have a rule about when you decide this is the time you're allowed to start looking at it because um, I think that those do help um, and yeah, it's just it's just so much time so much time and the worst part I also hate just thinking about what it is to post like you mentioned the promotional mm -hmm. aspect of everything it's you know you just you feel stupid in a way like half mm, the time yes <laughs> yes yes like what am I doing I feel so stupid yes putting why? this down here because it, we I, I almost feel like i shouldn't feel that way because it's something that i put a lot of effort into i mean every episode is like there's research and there's i do the whole thing you know the editing the booking it's all me so i put it all this time and energy it's my and I'm, i love it like every episode i'm so excited i should want to go out and promote it <laughs> but like today i made a post I did one on Instagram and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to write about this episode. And I was like, I don't, what am I supposed to say? It's awesome. Go listen to the damn thing. Like, it's just great. The guy's wonderful, <laughs> but I don't, I don't want to try to sell you, you know? No, I, yeah, we're, we're on the same page. 
especially yeah. when you're communicating the same thing over and over again. Right. It, it gets stale. <laughs> right, right. Well, this has been such a pleasure and I'm so grateful for your, your time and also so grateful for the record. In order of appearance, it comes out on October 16th. Um, this episode will drop after that, but uh, folks, when they hear this, if they haven't already, go get it. Uh, you got a great merch store they can go check out. They can get a vinyl copy. Um, they got you got really cool uh, t-shirt on there too. There's some really cool yeah. stuff there. Folks can support you, and um, I'm just really thankful for your time. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. Good, awesome, my pleasure. All right, have a wonderful night. You too. So Thanks. The band meaning more than a family is B Miles, y'all. Thank you so much, Brenna. Thank you all for listening. This conversation was a blast, as you could probably tell by listening. And I'm so grateful to Brenna and, and all of you for making this happen. Bmiles.co for all things Brenna. Marinadepodcast.com to follow the Marinade. We're also on Instagram and Twitter, and we're pretty active over the, on those two channels. Tell a friend about the show, rate us, and subscribe on your podcast app, those free ways to help the show make a huge huge, huge difference. Um, but of course, if you can swing it, patreon.com slash marinade podcast. If you want to support the show financially and, and connect on a deeper level, then we maybe get to um, even through Twitter or Instagram or um, just by listening to the show. All right, y'all, it's time for what I'm getting down on this segment of the show where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. I've been listening to the band Wartime Blues one of those magical algorithmic discoveries just came on as I was uh, auto-playing. I don't even remember what. I was listening to some record, and uh, and Wartime Blues came on. Really, really cool stuff. They have a record called um, Doves and Drums that I'm really digging. Also, I've been heavy into Katie Pruitt's new record, Expectations. Um, you know, I listened to it when it uh, when it first came out, but it's been on heavy rotation lately after uh, BJ Barham mentioned it on social media. And then Northcote's record, Let Me Roar, which came out back in October. We're actually going to record with Northcote in, uh, in just a couple of hours now. Just a little under two hours I get to sit down with him. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation um, and, uh, and listen to that record, uh, Let Me Roar. It's really, really good, and I highly recommend it. Um, I've been watching, I just finished season one of The Good Lord Bird, uh, starring Ethan Hawke as abolitionist John Brown. It's excellent. It's incredibly well acted, uh, beautifully shot. Um, it's, it's very well written. You know, it's one of those shows that, even though it's something that happened, of course, in the 1800s, 
there's so many lessons from those times that I think are important for us today. And as you watch it, I mean, John Brown was, was pretty crazy. Um, but, but the, the links that he was willing to go to, uh, in furtherance of a cause that did not directly impact him necessarily, what he was willing to do forces a mirror on, on those of us who are living through the current civil rights movement and living through the, the, the current um, zeitgeist in the world where, where fascism is, is, is not creeping but rolling downhill fairly quickly in the United States and Europe, uh, especially, and, and asking ourselves what we're willing to do, asking ourselves how far we're willing to go in furtherance of things we believe in. You know, for me, things like democracy, things like uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, these things that shouldn't be controversial that we should all be able to agree on. What am I willing to do? Uh, am I willing to go to a protest? Well, I've talked a lot about that and, and how I handle that situation in the, during the pandemic. And I think I could have done more and should have done more. Um, I'm certainly willing to vote. Is that really that much of a stance? What am I willing to do um, in furtherance of things that, that matter a lot to me? Uh, and I, I think shows like The Good Lord Bird, when they're done that well and when they portray people in these uh, these transformative moments in uh, modern history and what people were willing to do i think it's really healthy to to put that mirror up to yourself and say all right what are you willing to do now I, i'm not saying everybody needs to be john brown um n- nor do i think that's maybe even healthy the, the more i learn about him um <laughs> but but the man was willing to to lay down his life and the life of his family in furtherance of the cause of ending slavery Right. This means a white guy. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm, you know, what am I willing to do? Am I willing to go so far as to lose my life over some of these things that I believe in and say I believe in? Uh, and, and how far, how far do we need to go? Uh, what, what is each one of our roles in these, um, in these incredibly important moments in, in the history of the United States right now? Um, and so I, I'm, I'm grateful for the show for that. Plus, it's just really fucking entertaining. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. Speaking of entertaining, B-Miles, awesome, awesome conversation. I had so much fun, and I'm so grateful for, for Brenna's time and energy and for all of you for listening. Until next time, go out and create something, everybody. Cheers, y'all.